Hey, 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 welcome back to Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. We are in 2 Corinthians 7, reading out the Amplified Version. Paul reveals his heart. Therefore, since we have these great and wonderful promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, completing holiness Living a consecrated life, a life set apart for God's purpose in the fear of God. So just like the Jews were supposed to um, be, what is, what is the word I'm thinking of? Um, circumcised as an outward sign. You know, the Jewish men were had to have the foreskin removed from their penis uh in order to uh be set apart uh our demonstration of that to the rest of the world that they were different same thing with us now that's interesting because uh, let me see here what age cuz they didn't used to circumcise the children as babies, I don't think. At what age was a Jew circumcised? So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have a point. This might help with a point I was about to make. Jewish law requires that all baby boys be circumcised on the eighth day of life. Ah, okay. Orthodox Jews sometimes follow with a ritual known as Metzitzah Beppa. Immediately after the boy is circumcised, the man who performs the ritual known as Mol takes a mouthful of wine. Interesting. So, eighth day at birth, the day of new beginnings. Yeah, I'll go look and look up the significance of the number eight. But, um, yeah, on the eighth day. And so it's painful to the baby. Yeah, that's painful to a baby. Yeah. I know here in the United States, we usually do. Yeah, they circumcise babies like right away. They don't do it on the eighth day, but they do it like pretty like while you're in the hospital. They don't wait till they don't usually have you stay in the hospital for eight days. They try to get you in and out. Um But uh, yeah, that's pretty painful. Uh, for the baby, and um, I mean, they won't really remember it, you know, because um, they're babies, but some of them jokers, yeah, had to be circumcised as adults until, yeah, Jesus came along, yeah, but during the, under Jewish law, they had to, like, Abraham had to circumcise his sons, and they were, while they were older, and yeah, Zipporah reminded him, hey, you need to circumcise your sons. Hold on. Anyway, all right. I can go a little deeper in that. But my main point is saying it's painful. It's a painful thing to be circumcised. And it's also painful to have your heart circumcised. To be circumcised in your heart is going to cost you something. It's not going to be easy. Like, it's... There's this, once again, there's this, like, this idea. 
I don't like I've told y'all before. I don't like pain. I, I'm not. I don't really have much of a high tolerance of pain. I really, yeah, especially physical pain. I had yeah toothache years a few years ago, and then to have it pulled at UMKC Dental School, and yeah, I wouldn't wish that pain on anybody. And um, shoot, the pain that I was having before I had to have it pulled I was like, oh my god, oh lord, that was I almost overdosed on some pain pills, but um. Yes, y'all. Um, pain. <laughs> Following Jesus Christ, having your heart circumcised. When I say your heart, I'm talking about your inner being, your soul, your mind, your your, your thoughts, everything, your innermost being. It's going to cost you something to follow Jesus, to take up your cross and follow him. There are going to be times where people say things about you or mistreat you and you you have to follow the Bible that says love your enemies. There are going to be times where, yeah, people are going to persecute you just for being a Christian or you're going to, you're going to deal with spiritual attacks, mental battles. And, and yeah, just even just the battle of like as a guy with lust and knowing like, Hey, I'm single, I'm set apart and I can't just be out here living like all the other single men out here who's, well, the world says try to sleep with as many men as you, I mean, shoot, nowadays is that sleep with as many women as you want, as you can. Any many men, as many women, sleep with everybody. Yeah, you can be bisexual. You can sleep with whoever you want. Um, and so you are circumcised in your heart as a Christian. So it's going to cost you, it's going to be painful. It's going to cost you something, but it's temporary. It's a temporary pain that just like my son, my sons, Aiden and Matthew, they don't remember being circumcised, but it happened. Um, <laughs> my brother says a joke like, has this joke called, where is my foreskin? And he's like, because I have no foreskin, I am a 10. And uh, yeah, around the world, yeah, having no foreskin is uh, apparently an attractive um, trait. But it was even bigger than that, <laughs> a man who, or a woman who is circumcised in their heart, who, who are the foreskin in their heart, the callous, yeah, the, um, the being set apart in their heart. Is it makes them a ten as well? It makes you attractive not only to the opposite sex in a married relationship, but the world. It makes us a fragrance that people are like. Wow, they're different. And to God, it's a it's a sweet fragrance aroma to Him that we live um, a set apart life. Yeah, that's why that one scripture says something about what does it say? Um, how are we supposed to be a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, and acceptable to you? God just doesn't want just he doesn't he doesn't yeah bulls and goats we don't sacrifice those anymore. Our lives are su supposed to be a living sacrifice, made holy and acceptable to Him. Every time we worship the Lord, every time we spend time in prayer, every time we 
we attend church services and we serve people at the church and we're and we love one another and just living lives like Christians every day, like going to work and just being a good example at the job and every whatever kind of work you do, every time, everything you do, do it to the Lord. And every time you do that, it's like you're sending up sweet fragrance, a sweet aroma of sacrifices, of praise to the Lord. Everything they say, everything that we do, like everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Even you name it, anything you do in the name of the Lord is like worship. God enjoys it. Anyway, let's keep going. Paul reveals his heart. Uh, we're in verse two now. Uh, let's read verse one again. Therefore, since we have these great and wonderful promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit, com completing holiness, leaving a consecrated life, a life set apart for God's purpose and the fear of God. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. I do not, no, nah, I don't know. I'll just be real with y'all. Like if y'all were to do an honest assessment of my life, I mean, currently, uh, I would, I don't know if I did like a deep examination, I'm sure I could find something, but, and I'm not going to incriminate myself here on this podcast, but like, could you honestly say in your heart that you have not wronged anyone or corrupted anyone or cheated anyone? Like, just like real honest. Verse three, I do not say this to condemn you for I, yeah, because if you had an accountant come through and check your books and like a fine tooth comb, I'm sure something would come up. Once again, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. And thank you that when he reveals something to us, he empowers us to do something about it, to change, to repent, to turn in the opposite direction and stop doing whatever doing whatever that sin is verse three i do not say this to condemn you for i have said before that you are nested in our hearts and you will remain there to die together and to live together with us great is my confidence in you great is my pride and boasting on your behalf i am filled to the brim with comfort i am overflowing with joy in spite of all our trouble Verse five, for even when we arrived in Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were oppressed at every turn. Conflicts and disputes without fears, without and disputes without fears and dread within. But God who comforts and encourages the depressed and the disquieted comforted us by the arrival of Titus. Where did the name Titus just come up recently? I just read something that where the name Titus came up. Verse 7, And not only by his arrival, but also by his account of the encouragement which he received in regard to you. He told us about your longing for us, your mourning over sin, and how eagerly you took my part and supported me so that I rejoiced even more. For even though I did grieve you with my letter, I do not regret it now, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter hurts you, though only for a little while. Yet I'm glad now, not because you were hurt and made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance and you turned back to God. 
say something hard sometimes challenging for me is like sometimes i'll see stuff and it's like how oh, should i say something should i speak up like something that a brother in christ is doing they might be involved in some type of demonic activity and it's like ah, oh, should i say something or i don't know my part sometimes i'll just pray because yeah i don't have the heart to to always speak up and say with my kids i feel like there's a trust level there i can speak up and say more into them you know um but with other people like grown adults i'm like well let me just pray for you and hopefully my life is an example for you so that my prayer is that your eyes will be open to see how this is not this this activity is filled with death, not life. Anyway, so Paul had to say some hard stuff that he knew was going to hurt their feelings, but he's glad they did it. That he did it because then they repented. Yeah, I'm glad now, not because you were hurt. And that's another thing too is like knowing kind of your role in somebody's life. There has to be some trust level. There was like. The people trusted Paul and loved Paul, and Paul was a man of integrity. So he had. That makes a difference when you when you say those hard things, when you rebuke somebody, being rebuked by somebody who has no relationship with you, that has never shown any like that they love you, um, or demonstrated their love for you, um, or there's not that trust, that intimacy, it's hard to rebuke somebody where there's no intimacy. But even if you do, at the end of the day, God will still use that for his glory. And hopefully the person or people repent. Yeah, I am glad now, not because you were hurt and made sorry, but because some people just go around rebuking folks and have no regard for somebody's feelings. There's no empathy. There's no sympathy. And they're very yeah holier than thou. And so, yeah, that's, I think there's this. I want to talk about some like what godly rebuke looks like in the church. Um, I think Paul addresses that here shortly. Yet I'm glad now, not because you were hurt and made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance and you turned back to God. For you felt a grief such as God meant you to feel so that you might not suffer loss in anything on our account. Suffering loss because of your disobedience is a very bad place to be in. I feel like I'm experiencing that now where I was rebuked by multiple people. I think I've told you multiple times I had one guy tell me, hey, you don't want another man raising your kids. And I was like, ah, I kind of shrugged it off. I didn't take it, his word as serious. Um, and so um, you know, I was running from God. I was running from everything. And so, yeah, now I'm dealing with the consequences of not fully 100% repenting of some of the things that I was doing and my ways of thinking at that time and allowing fear and my hurt feelings and anger to overtake me. But at least those guys who took the time to rebuke me in a loving way, like the one guy, he took me out for lunch at a... Where are you taking me? You took me to that little sandwich spot. It was good, too. 
He treated me to some kind. Yeah, uh, that steak, Philly cheese steak place. I can't think of the name of it. It's not Penn Station. It's called, um, they got a bunch of them right here. It doesn't matter. He took me out for, for lunch. And yeah, he is um, he is remarried and has does the whole co-parenting thing. And he didn't go into a whole lot of details about his situation, but he just said, yeah, you don't want another man raising your kids. <laughs> and when a black man looks you in the eye and tells you, well, he was a very light black man, beige brother, but uh, maybe that's why I didn't take him so seriously. It's kind of sad. Oh, man. Um, it's weird how we're wired, man. Like, it's weird how we, like, how we receive things from certain... I, my whole life, has struggled with just, like, accepting correction, especially from men. I don't, I've never really trusted authority my whole life. And... There's very few people in my life right now that I allow to speak into my life that I trust. I don't it's hard to describe what I'm saying. It's just like it's kind of an ego thing and lacking of humility thing a little bit and just like sometimes you just a lot of shoot, not sometimes, a lot of times you need to just you just gotta lay down your ego and just find men regardless of their skin color regardless uh yeah their skin tone or their age sometimes yeah there's younger men who can speak into your life um and so yeah anyway first 10 for godly sorrow that is in accord with the will of god produces a repentance without regret leading to salvation, but worldly sorrow, the hopeless sorrow of those who do not believe produces death. We always want to have godly sorrow. Godly sorrow is more than just, oh, I'm sorry I did that. I'll, I'll try not to do it again. Or, yeah, sorry that you got caught. Godly sorrow is like, man, I see how this has impacted everybody including not just myself, but my whole family and my friends and people, Christians, non-Christians. And I see if I don't like do something about this and truly humble myself before almighty God and ask for his help to fully a hundred percent repent, not halfway repent, but a hundred percent repent in the opposite direction. Cause it takes the power of the Holy spirit to go in the opposite direction of wherever you are going. Cause your flesh wants to do what it wants to do. We are very, we can be very um, stubborn creatures, you know, very independent, strong-willed. And so, um, yeah, repentance is, true repentance is, it's like, God, I see this the way you see this. And I trust that you, these people that you've sent into my life to speak into my life, know what they're talking about. They have some wisdom here. So, Lord... And just being real and honest with God is like, this is what my flesh wants to do. My flesh does not want to do the right thing in this situation. Help me to know the right thing to do and to also do it and to not go back, to not be wishy-washy, to not waver. You have to like pray through this stuff. Verse 11, for you can look back and see what an earnest 
Ness and authentic concern this godly sorrow has produced in you. What vindication of yourselves against charges that you tolerate sin? What indignation at sin? What fear of offending God? What longing for righteousness and justice? What passion to do what is right? What readiness to punish those who sin and those who tolerate sin? At every point, you have proved yourselves to be innocent in the matter. Punish those awful He ain't playing around. He ain't playing. That's a, that's sexual sin is one of the best areas to, to talk about this because it's like for years I just had a worldly sorrow. It's like ah, you know, worldly sorrow is not genuine. It's like. You're more concerned about the fact that you got caught or you're more concerned about like the fact that like you don't have a true intention of actually changing. You know, at some point, like, yeah, you don't really take it that serious. You're going to go back and just do the same thing again. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to see this the way God sees it and realize that this really... um grieves the Holy Spirit when I am engaged in sexual sin or any sin. Anyway, let me keep going. Verse 12. So even though I wrote to you as I did, it was not for the sake of the offender nor for the sake of the one offended, but in order to make evident to you before God how earnestly you do care for us and your willingness to accept our authority. And it's for this, there you go, earnest your willingness to accept our authority. It is for this reason that we are comforted and encouraged. And in addition to our comfort, we were especially delighted at the joy of Titus because you have refreshed his spirit. For if I have boasted to him at all concerning you, I was not disappointed, but you as everything but just as everything we ever said to you was true, so our boasting about you to Titus has proved true also. His affection is greater than ever as he remembers the obedience to his guidance that all of you exhibited and how you received him with great respect. I rejoice that in everything I have per perfect confidence in you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help pray you raise up more Tituses in the church and for people like me to accept their authority and accept their leadership. Uh, Lord, just <laughs> help us to actually have a godly sorrow that leads to repentance rather than just a worldly sorrow that leads to death and shame and regret. It's not a true repentance. It's just like almost like if I got in the shower right now and just let the water run over me, but I didn't actually soap up and wash my hair and wash my whole body from head to toe. And that's what repentance is. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to wash us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, Lord, and to take it seriously. No, yeah, repentance is a one-time thing. It's a a daily thing. It's in minute by minute, it's an hour by minute, hour, and it's also like getting help and accountability and submitting to authority, Lord. Help myself and others out there who struggle with trusting authority 
and submitting to authority. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. In Jesus' mighty, precious name, I pray. Amen. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned or missed the mark or veered off the path and fallen short of the glory of God or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us or showed his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, or you've walked away from him, and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray. Amen.